Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams. Alan Steinberg will be joining me in the not-too-distant future here, but One of the things we're going to be doing today is take a look back at some of the things that happened in uh, 2017. We're going to tie up a few loose ends as we talk about the Me Too movement, how it dominated the news. We talk about the government and how they didn't resolve the child health care insurance program. As everyone knows, CHIP, they put forth some emergency funding till January 19th when they will have to deal with yet another possible governmental shutdown. Now, We also talk about the 2018 midterms, what the issues are going to be, and what's going to shape the campaign for both the GOP and the Democrats. Speaking of issues, let's talk a little bit about our friends from VoterHeads.com. 2018 will be, as we said, here in a matter of hours. That means midterm elections with Democrats eyeing a chance to grab either the House or the Senate from the GOP. It also is a big year for governor's races all over the United States in about a dozen states. State House seats are going to be up for grabs, not to mention all the local mayoral and city council seats that will be on the ballot. Plus, of course, as always, major issues that will be front and center starting on a local basis, statewide, and, of course, nationally. Now, you're going to need to be informed, and nobody can inform you better than our friends at VoterHeads.com. Now, VoterHeads.com allows you to have a free chance to drill down and follow the issues that are important to you. The folks at VoterHeads.com know that an informed electorate is what makes the government work on a local basis, a state basis, and of course, nationally as well. So go out to VoterHeads.com today. Check out for free all the key issues that you're going to want to follow in 2018 because your country needs you to be an informed voter. Go to VoterHeads.com. Do it now. As always, ladies and gentlemen, it's fun to bring in a good friend and someone who has been on the show many times, someone we all enjoy talking to, and that, of course, is Alan Steinberg. He served in the George W. Bush administration as the Area 2, or District 2, I should say, EPA administrator in charge of New York. New Jersey, the Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico. He is a fantastic political analyst, a great writer, a professor, and someone, as I said before, who is a good friend, Alan. I know we're going to do some rapid fire stuff here and then talk a little bit, uh, obviously, about 2018 as we get into it. But I know you were a little ticked off at the president attacking someone who we both know, and that is New York Senator Kristen Gildebrand. 
I, you know what? I was infuriated by what he said about Chris, Kristen Gellibrand, and I want to tell you. I want to tell you why. I know her very well. Right. When I was region two EPA administrator, she won the midterm election against a Republican incumbent up near Fort Edward, New York, John Sweeney. Right. That was the site of the uh, GE Superfund site where GE had uh, dumped capacitors in the uh, water. Mm-hmm. And uh, it led to a generation of a large number of uh, PCBs. And that was one of the leading super fund sites in America. Massive cleanup. GE uh, agreed to a consent judgment. It was a major effort, but by the time I had left EPA, they had built a dredge processing plant to clean the dredge, which could be used uh, for a very legitimate and uh, worthwhile purposes elsewhere, particularly in capping landfills and uh, covering sites that uh, may have contained uh, toxic materials, and uh, I worked with her on that matter. Uh, she was the she became the uh, congressional uh, member of the House of Representatives in that area, mm-hmm. and we would meet on a monthly basis. Now, what impressed me about her was that she had come from a very large law firm. I believe it was the Davis Polk Law Firm, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you get lawyers and investment bankers who have a lot of policy insight. The very little political sense, but that was not Kirsten Gillibrand. She had a great deal of political instinct. I liked working with her. She didn't let partisanship dominate our discussions. I was a person with the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. She was a Democrat, but I found our relationship uh, very uh, mutually beneficial. And the day that Hillary Clinton resigned to go over to the State Department, mm-hmm. I made a prediction. I'm often wrong with my predictions, but I made a prediction that she would be designated by uh, the then acting governor, David Patterson, mm-hmm. to fill that seat, and she was. And I think she's been a good senator. I think that she's uh, not a far-left senator. And I think that Trump's remark that she was willing to do anything to get contributions, it was very sexist. It implied that she was a sexually loose person. Mm-hmm. It was very insulting, and it was demeaning to the office of President of the United States. I find every day with Donald Trump, when people who say, oh, well, he's proving you don't have to be politically correct, you have to be, as we would say in Yiddish, a mensch. You have to be respectful. You have to dignify the office. And he absolutely shreds the dignity of the office of the presidency every day. It's demeaning, and it puts us in a very bad light internationally. Well, I've known Christian Gilderbrand since she's been a senator. And um, frankly, she's a very refreshing person. And... uh, Anybody that thinks that she's Hillary Clinton's clone doesn't know Christian Gilderbrand. No, they don't know her. Because she's her own woman, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Christian Gilderbrand um, in 2020 as someone who um, steps out of the of the you know of Chuck Schumer's shadow and uh, perhaps into the uh, arena of running for office of president. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'll tell you who I think has a leg up on everybody. He's someone you never hear about. Mm-hmm. I think he emerged out of Alabama, too, and that's Caval Patrick. He, yeah. He uh, was the former governor of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. He is evidently Barack Obama's choice, and Barack Obama still counts more than anybody mm-hmm. in the Democratic Party. He's even more highly regarded as a former president than he was as a president. Mm-hmm. And he's Obama's choice. He will have the benefit of Obama's financial network. He knows how to raise money on Wall Street also. He mm-hmm. is 
now a uh, major member of Bain Capital. And he campaigned for uh, Don South for Davy Jones. Uh, Doug Jones. I mm. keep saying Davy like the cartoon character. Like the monkeys? Right. Doug. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you how I remember him as Doug Jones. Mm. There was a very fine white heavyweight in the early 1960s. Mm-hmm. He fought as a heavyweight also, and he fought uh, Muhammad Ali when he was then Cassius Clay, and mm-hmm. he uh, managed to go 10 rounds with Ali, and he lost a very close decision. So that's how I remember Doug Jones from uh, the fighter who gave Ali his best fight until Ali fought Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think that... Uh, you're going to see Deval Patrick. He, he seems reluctant to run for the presidency, but he's mm-hmm. being encouraged. And uh, he's my early pick to get the nomination. But I've been wrong that way before. I've been right that way before, too, but we'll have to see. Well, you know, um, in that uh, situation of um, borrowing people from the Obama administration, it was Joe Trippi. And we know Joe. Joe ran. Uh, right. Joe ran Doug. Saw uh, you know Doug's office in Alabama, and he was the he basically ran the campaign. So it was Joe Trippy that uh, that got Doug Jones elected in Alabama. Absolutely. So he did a very credible job. Yep, and uh, not that I mean not that Joe, you know Doug didn't win with a mandate. There's no question about that. That was a that was a razor you know razor close win. But when you know. When Trump carries that state with by sixty two percent, you would think that pretty much any Republican would, uh, you know, would uh, would win. But Doug Jones was able to, you know, pull it out. So, and it is. Yeah, it was an earthquake. It, it, yeah. There's no question it was a political earthquake. Yeah. You know, as we said earlier, it'll be two thousand eighteen in just a matter of hours, and that means, of course, the midterm election. Now, the Democrats, man, they are eyeing a chance to grab either the House or the Senate from the GOP. Meanwhile, it's going to be a big year for governor's races in over a dozen states throughout the U.S. State houses, yep, there's seats up for grabs there as well, not to mention the local mayor races, city council seats, they're all going to be on the ballot. Plus, major issues that will be front and center locally, statewide, and nationally. So you need to be informed. And no one does that better than our friends at VoterHeads.com. Now, they allow you a free chance to drill down and follow the local issues that are most important to you. The folks at VoterHeads.com know that an informed electorate is what it takes to make good government work on a local basis, on a state basis, and, of course, nationally. So go to VoterHeads.com today. Check out their free opportunity to follow the key issues as you get ready for voting in 2018 because your country needs you to be an informed voter and you can do that at voterheads.com. Go out there today for us, okay? Thanks. You know, Alan, we were talking about issues and voterheads, of course, our friends at voterheads.com. One of the issues um, that I think that people are starting to get a bit sour on is the constant attacks by the president uh, and members of the House and Senate, predominantly the president in the House, um, on Bob Mueller and the FBI, the Justice Department. I mean, this just like seems like endless attacks on the credibility of um, 
our intelligence agencies. It's it's unprecedented. I mean, I I cannot believe the way Republican members of the House and Senate are willing to commit suicide for Trump. And those who have joined the movement to uh, disparage and uh, basically uh, defame uh, the uh, character of Bob Mueller, uh, they should be ashamed of themselves, but it's going to backfire on them. Bob Mueller is the biggest straight arrow I've ever seen at the, both the FBI and in the uh, Office of Independent Counsel. It's ridiculous. You know, talking about you know, Mueller, um, one of the things that people keep saying to me is like, well, there's nothing to see here, there's nothing to see there. Well, well you know, there's not, you're a lawyer, okay? If you felt that there was not an issue, okay, would you not cite the actual laws that you felt? Or would you, you know, if you are his attorneys and they, you know, there was something uh, that came out about this weekend about the situation where uh, Mueller now has uh, campaign uh, and transition emails, which the Trump law, you know, lawyers and Trump law, you know, law team feels that Mueller got them illegally. Although they have not gone to a grand jury, they've not attempted to in any way, shape or form uh, field a legal defense. They literally sent the letter to Congress saying it. And it because was because they don't have a defense. They don't have a legal defense. Those emails are the property of the United States government. Let me tell you why I feel so strongly about that issue. Okay, go ahead. When I was reaching to an EPA administrator, I had the firm belief that any email I sent from my EPA address was mm-hmm. the property of the government. Right. Now, the whole time I was at EPA, I observed this Hatch Act very strictly, so I never sent a, from that computer in the office mm-hmm. a single email uh, that uh, had anything to do with any political campaign. Now, I did send from my government computer emails of a personal, not political campaign issue, mm-hmm. using my own EP, my own personal address. Mm-hmm. But I would only do that if, let's say, there was something I had to send out in the middle of the day. For example, something connected with my synagogue. Mm-hmm. Something connected with some Jewish charity I may mm-hmm. have been working with where I had to get a hold of somebody. Right. And I would use my personal address because I didn't want to put the imprimatur of the EPA on that. Mm-hmm. And I consulted with my ethics officials, and they said that I had really fully complied with the law. Mm-hmm. And, but I took the attitude also that when I was leaving EPA, it, this is funny, they told me that I'd actually saved too many emails. I said, I didn't want to destroy any emails and be accused of any mm-hmm. improper conduct. They said, no, the only emails you really should be saving are the ones that are of a vital business nature, not something like I'm going to meet you in Washington for a meeting on such and such day. So I had to go through and I actually under instruction delete emails, but I certainly had no ethical or legal worries in the world. It's just they didn't want to overload the system. But I made it very clear, as my ethics people told me, emails that are sent from a government computer are not anyone's personal private property. No one has a right of expectation of privacy in those emails. They are the property of the government of the United States. Mm-hmm. So there was no basis for Trump's lawyers to resist those emails. The other... The other aspect that I think is hilarious is that, you know, 
Fox News is going 24-7 on trying desperately to um, attack the credibility of Mueller and and going on this premise that, you know, there's nothing to see here. When if you go back to the Clinton situation when Clinton was impeached, you know, it started with Whitewater. Uh, he was not impeached right. for any land deal in the state of Arkansas. He was impeached for lying about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. So, um, you know, it's it. what may have started in one regard under investigation may end up with another finding at the end. Absolutely. The Ken Starr was appointed a special prosecutor to investigate whether Clinton lied under oath. Right. I always thought that at the end of that, he received the appropriate punishment. What he did was wrong, and it was a violation of law. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm just getting over a cough at the ten stages. It's okay. He was properly he was properly disbarred. He was properly fined, but it didn't constitute a high crime or misdemeanor that constituted mm-hmm. an abuse of power. Mm-hmm. And he got the you know obviously he got the the black mark of being um, you know being. Uh, being, disbarred, yes. Well, disbarred, but also being um, impeached. So, absolutely. Now, I think that Kristen Gillibrand has a good point. Now, mm-hmm. it, it may have been quite proper for him to have been uh, urged to leave office because of the uh, sexually harassing and predatory activity he was right. involved in. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was not fully uh, vetted or uh, disclosed or subjected to hearings as it could have been. You know, Alan, uh, let's talk about the CHIP funding. As if, you know, passing tax cuts that disproportionately benefit the wealthy people and corporations didn't give the Democrats enough to run on in 2018. The Republicans simultaneously engineered a children's health care crisis. Yep. Through the Children's Health Care Insurance Program, CHIP, which provides coverage to nearly 9 million kids from low-income families, has had bipartisan support since its inception back when Senator Orrin Hatch, a Republican, and then the late Senator Edward Kennedy from the great state of Massachusetts put this thing together over 25 years ago. Well, for the first time in October, Republicans allowed the funding to expire. December's stopgap spending bill provided only $2.85 billion to keep the program going through the month of March. That should avert immediate crisis for about 1.9 million children in 24 states in Washington, D.C., who are expected to lose coverage by January. However, whether or not CHIP gets funded is definitely in doubt at this point because there's a lot of people specifically the conservatives in the Republican Party who want to see some sort of cuts in the program. Now, right now, we have no idea what those cuts are. We have no idea if CHIP's going to survive. And Alan, I'll tell you, this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life when it comes to truly putting children's health care in jeopardy. I don't know what is motivating the leadership, once again, of the Senate in the form of Mitch McConnell in the House and the former Speaker Paul Ryan 
I don't know what's motivating them on this. They have to get this done. This is not a muscle flexing contest. This is a matter of uh, public order, public provisioning. It's been a priority. You can't play games with something like this. This is not a uh, situation as to who is the bigger winner, who is going to show the greater F. If uh, Ryan and McConnell don't come through, they will be endangering their own parties, their own majorities. I think that this is political suicide on their part. And, you know, not to be melodramatic, because it's not melodramatic, there are actual children's lives at stake here. That's the point. That's the point. You can't play games with this anymore. It's too much of a risk. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see, but uh, I am just astounded. I really am. I'm astounded at the willingness of uh, people to take these kind of risks. It's, it's a and scary situation, a, to be sure. It's a policy risk, and it's a political risk as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is deleterious to public health and welfare, and it is deleterious to the future of the Republican Party going into 2018. Okay, 2018. We're not that far away, my friend. What are the issues that we should be looking out for in your mind in 2018 as we get there in the not-too-distant future? Well, the Republicans are going to try to be making a case for Donald Trump. They're going to have a very difficult time. They are trying to credit him with the fact that the economy has done well all year, but they can't form to they can't point to a single policy initiative of his that has resulted in a good economy. Most of it seems to be following up on the economy uh, that Barack Obama was responsible for. And I am not a big Obama defender. Mm-hmm. I very much objected to. Uh, Uh, 
Well, if they stay 48 points down with millennials, they'll lose a generation. I agree. I agree. I, there's a book I have to get. I haven't read yet, but I've heard this gentleman on TV, Charlie Sykes, that uh, talk, the name of the book is How the Right Lost Its Mind. And I've been a member. I've been a conservative. And I have to read it because I right now feel like a person who has no political home. I have a good family home with much more important, but nevertheless, I want to read that book. Well, that's uh, it's a, it's Charlie. Charlie's a good guy, and we'll get him on with us. Charlie's at WNYC and a very, uh, a very uh, entertaining fella. And I hope that uh, anybody out there uh, gets a chance to check out Charlie. Charlie's uh, can be heard on WNYC and uh, is a very uh, thoughtful guy. Ironically, uh, he's a Wisconsin guy and. Uh, uh, Spent many years at WTMJ Radio out there, and um, was uh, is good friends with uh, with Paul Ryan. Uh, so he is. I went to law school at, at the University of Wisconsin. Right. And I lived in Madison for three years. Mm-hmm. And there's an opportunity to get Charlie and uh, me on the same show. I'd love it. All right. Very cool. Well, so as we get into 2018, what are the big ticket issues that uh, we're likely to see? Well, let's start with DACA. President Donald Trump moved into the hairy issue of immigration reform. As he said in September, that if President Obama's Deferred Action Childhood Arrivals Program, as we said before, called DACA, would end in six months if Congress couldn't come up with a fix by then. So technically, that gives the Congress until March. But immigration advocates are pushing Democrats to refuse to pass any spending bills it does not include a permanent fix to the nearly 800,000 young people who are undocumented immigrants at this point and that are at risk of losing their protective status. A handful of senators have been negotiating on a bipartisan immigration reform bill, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has reportedly agreed to hold a vote in January before the government funding deadline, which we said would be on January 19th, Republican Senator Jeff Flake suggested that uh, following a White House meeting last week, that they were still unclear on what President Trump would be willing to sign. We couldn't get a finished product in this bill until we're sure the administration is on board, he said. So DACA is going to be at the top of the list on uh, things coming right out of the bat early in 2018. Let's move on to health care. You know, President Trump has taken to Twitter to falsely say that repealing Obamacare's individual mandate in the tax legislation essentially killed the law. Of course, it did not. We remember that earlier this month, Republican Senator Susan Collins agreed to vote for the tax legislation because McConnell had promised her a vote on two bills meant to stabilize Obamacare by the end of the year. Now, of course, she didn't get that. In large part because those bills were DOA in the House, but Collins was assured by Senate Leader McConnell that come January, those bills will hit the floor. And as we know, 
the one that was crafted by Republican Senator Lamar Alexander and Democrat Patty Murray, which is meant to stabilize the Obamacare healthcare markets, have well over 60 votes in a bipartisan way and should pass if McConnell keeps his promise to Collins and puts it on the floor. Now, there is still Lindsey Graham out there who is saying that he feels that he can come up with a bill which will repeal Obamacare. But that's not going to happen, folks. McConnell signaled earlier this month that he's not revisiting his most embarrassing defeat in 2017, especially now that the Alabama special election was held. He's down one senator, and that means he's only got a 51-49 advantage, and he just doesn't feel that a repeal-replace bill is going to make it, so he is going to acquiesce and try the bipartisanship aspect on Obamacare, something that looks like might well be something that the Senate can indeed, at least for the while, work on some minor fixes and keep the healthcare system going. As a matter of fact, it is the single most important issue locally and nationally in this country, according to most polls. Let's go to the Me Too movement. Now, we know that it has shaken not only the entertainment industry, the television industry, but it certainly has shaken Washington. And, you know, there's 36 states who will choose governors, 44 will elect state lawmakers. And right now, it's political paralysis in Congress as they're keeping many states in holding patterns as the officials try to judge how best to react to potential charges and changes that are happening in Washington. So it will be a big issue, not only nationally, but you can bet on a local basis as the Me Too movement gains more and more strength. So we know there'll be others, of course, federal tax Revision is something that uh, we're all going to have to figure out how that's going to work. We've already said, of course, that the Me Too movement is going to be something pretty amazing. So there's a lot of key issues that will be resolved one way or another at the voting booth sometime in November of 2018. Well, in the meantime, that does it for us in this uh, year-ender edition of the Politically Incorrect podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed to the Politically Incorrect podcast, it's easy enough to do. All you have to do is go to one of five places. Let's start with iTunes. Simple enough. It's free. You can download it at the iTunes store. You can get it for free at the Google Play store. Blog Talk Radio is a great place to get us, again, for free. Meanwhile, if you have the Stitcher app, which is one of the most popular podcast apps out there. It's got a plethora of different types of podcasts. Uh, you know, you can find us. All you have to do is type in the Politically Incorrect Podcast. We'll pop up, hit favorites, and it'll be delivered to your phone every week. Now, last but certainly not least is the TuneIn app. And the TuneIn app 
is an outstanding app if you're one of the 125 million people subscribed to the TuneIn app, myself being one of them. All you have to do is, much like Stitcher, just type in the Politically Incorrect podcast. You'll hit favorites, and it'll be delivered to your tablet or your phone weekly free of charge. Okay, so it's simple. Five different places to subscribe. Take the time today to subscribe to the Politically Incorrect podcast. will be delivered to your phone or your tablet weekly. Okay, thanks very much for that. All right, speaking of thanks, I'd like to thank my partner in crime, one of the best out there, great guy, Alan Steinberg, who served in the George W. Bush administration and is one of the top political analysts out there. We thank Alan for joining us today. We thank you for joining us, not just today, but throughout the entire 2017 year. And folks, as the old saying goes, you ain't seen nothing yet as we move in to 2018. Have a wonderful and safe New Year's, and we'll see you next time right here on the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams saying have a great New Year's. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.